Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent. I'm here with Alan today, and we have a question for you. Um, have you ever sat through a sermon that you just thought, hey, this has nothing for me, or it doesn't connect with what you're dealing with? And so, um, Alan, how are we going to answer that question today? Uh, Trent, you were listening to my last sermon, weren't you? So. Yeah, we want to talk about the importance of connecting with with your audience. You know, I I heard someone mention that, you know, content's important, but if you don't connect, you know, maybe your content doesn't really matter as much as you think. And, you know, I think it's important for us to bridge the gap between the content that we spend so much time working to develop in connecting um, with our audience. If you're going to have a long-lasting ministry, the ability to connect with people is really what one of the things that's going to keep you in ministry. So if you have a hard time connecting, you're going to have a hard time pastoring over a long period or ministering over a long period of time. Well, I'm so glad you did this, Alan, because that is so true. Uh, if you can't connect, you can't communicate. And, um, you know, you've got to be able to um have that hook that draws people in. And, and so we want to talk about that, you know, today and how do we do that? How do we get those people to, to get, to learn the content and then connect with you as a speaker, as you're sharing that with them? I think this is going to be awesome. Well, let's kind of jump into it then. Let's, let's see, let's see where this takes us. So we've got a lot of C's here, you know, we're talking about (laughs) connecting today. We want, we want to connect, but there's three other C's, you know, that, that go along into, into that. So on the one side, there's all this content trend that you, mm-hmm. you spend your time cultivating it and you develop it and you, you pour your life and your soul into to studying that. On the other mm-hmm. side of that, there's the congregation, you mm-hmm. know, and you pour your life into them. You, you pastor them, you lead them, you, you, pray with them you cry with them you laugh with them you so you've got one side is content one side is the congregation and you love them both Mm -hmm. but in the middle is that context there's the context of your content there's the context of your congregation and if you're going to connect you have to bring context and congregation closer together and find those contextual kind of cohesiveness let's just keep the seas going and you have to kind of pull pull those together in that way yeah um and so i'm as you're saying that and describing this i'm kind of picturing this in my mind and and our content typically alan is pretty focused i mean it has to be right it's aimed at one or two points that we want our congregation to get to learn to apply but our congregation is not focused. I mean, just think about the people that are sitting in front of you. They're all over the map, um, spiritual maturity wise. Um, and then what, you know, their attention for that day, they're just, they're not focused. And so how do we, the, the context, you know, we, we kind of weave this in to draw them together and to, it becomes that, um, you know, that, focus beam on that lens that focuses in the congregation into the content is that kind of what you're thinking am i yeah i mean yeah i think i think it's one of those things that we do it differently too right i mean the way that you bridge the gap and the way i bridge the gap is different 
But mm -hmm. one of the things that I have sensed, and I know it's not universally true, but one of the things that I have sensed is we have almost gone to an extreme of pushing content so much. And content is so important because God's word is life and it mm -hmm. gives life. And God's word has so much more to say than I have to say. However, if you become so content driven that you lose the identity of your congregation in the content, you're not going to communicate well with them. And that's what we mean when we're talking about connecting. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think the way you're envisioning that is, is that, yeah, you're just kind of pulling those. How closely can I pull the content, you know, and then pull my congregation into that content? Yeah, I think that's a great way. I think that's a great way to look at it. And again, you, you're going to do that differently. You're going to do that differently for me. But you really do have to have just have a keen awareness whenever you're putting a sermon together of content, context. It's not one context, it's multiple contexts and your congregation. And, right. you know, the context is where those things come together. Well, and another side of that, too, I was just thinking as you're sharing that is that the content you mentioned, it is God's word and it is life. It is living. And so scripture tells us that God's word is living and active and it, it is able to get down to the guts of us, you know. So, so not only do we have to do this, but God's word is helping us do that because it is living, it is active, and it is able to get to the insides of us. God's word on its own will do some of that as well. But we, we help and we, we recognize that God has placed us as the ministers in that position and we are the shepherds over those people, and we know their stories. So I can, I can say something, maybe a word or a phrase that that clicks with them, and that draws them in too. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at that. So you know, the first, I think the first place what we're saying is just know your seeds and, and be mm -hmm. be aware of what you're working with um, in, in there. And then you know, I think when we're talking about connections and. Trent, this is true at any level of communication. You you have studied communication a lot. You've done a lot with couples couples counseling and talked a lot about mm -hmm. communication with couples. But really changing the, the preposition of, of conversations important. You know, we don't preach we don't preach at people. We preach to people. And there's a big difference between preaching at and preaching to. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and you mentioned uh, the couples part of ministry that Dana and I do. We we move from moving to speaking at to um, speaking with. You know, and and you can't necessarily do that in a in a congregation setting, but you you can encourage them to respond in certain ways. I mean, you they may not be part of a conversation per se. But they they do respond, and and because of that, the way they respond, it helps us to say, okay, yes, I am communicating with them, or no, I'm not. <laughs> do you have a, we we asked the question at the beginning: Have you ever sat through a sermon that you didn't connect with? As a preacher, have you ever preached a sermon that you looked out over the faces and you're like, these people are not getting any of this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? You know, you know there are times we don't connect. I mean, yeah. there have been times I've preached, and I know my people loved me, but I know mm -hmm. I didn't 
connect with them that day in a way like I normally do. Sometimes Rochelle would tell me, hey, Alan, you kind of got a little too much of your preacher voice today. And what she <laughs> means by that is it really wasn't how I said my words or how I pronounced my words. It's more of a, a demeanor um, up there. And I think that's where I was crossing the line sometimes between pr- talking to my people and talking at my people. Right. And, you know, there's a, there's an inherent nature. I love how you said talking with, you know, and it is harder to do that. That's why I almost use that word, but you know, mm. it's harder to do that in that congregational sense. But I think, you know, think of it like this. And I know most of our listeners probably don't remember when, when, um, Jimmy Carter was, was president and a lot of people don't want to remember for whatever reasons. But one thing I thought that he really did well, and I remember as a kid thinking, that's kind of cool that the president would sit down in this little informal thing by his fireplace and he would talk to the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether you liked his policies, you didn't like his policies, you liked him, didn't like him, it doesn't matter. What he was attempting to do, though, was to remember as president that he wasn't talking at the nation, but he was talking to the nation. And I think, you know, one of the things he lost out to was he lost out to someone who actually did that better than him in his next yeah. election, you know, because that was a, certainly a gift of, of the next president, Ronald Reagan, that he, he knew how to talk to people um, around the world in, in a way that very few people were able to accomplish. And I think it's an important lesson for us to remember that when you, if you get up there and you, you take on the role of, of wise sage and expert and that you feel like you've got to tell everyone that they need to know, um, you, you're just not going to connect with them. They're going to find that there's something that feels very insincere or disconnected to, to, their, to their life. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, as you're describing that Jimmy Carter sitting in front of a fireplace, just visiting, think about how do we develop that comfort level with the people in our congregation? You know, as we're trying to communicate with them. And that's why the, the times outside of Sundays are so important because you develop that relationship with them and you, you understand and they understand you where you're coming from. You know, so that you can develop that comfort level. And some of that we're going to, we're just about to talk about illustrations. Illustrations kind of develop that comfort level too. You know, allow people to feel like, yes, they are sitting in front of a fireplace, just visiting as friends, you know, and I think that's important. Yeah, I think that's a great way, great way to to evaluate that and, and to think about that. But how do you know, you know, if you're talking at and, and not to, you know, I think a lot of that really comes down to, you know, how are your application points? You know, remember that you're talking to yourself. And if you, what would you say to yourself? And if you'll think about it that way, you know, hey, we're in this together. You know, I, I know, I know some of the things you guys are struggling with. I talk to you. I know you. I, I understand what you're going through. We, <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and, and make it more about we, because if it's about you, you're going to talk at and not to. And that's mm-hmm. that to me, that's a, a great way to think about it. That's something, you know, I think Charles Swindoll was a master of this of this particular area. And I know I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but I think that this is something he really brought to the preaching conversation is that he would he 
if you ever read a book about, from him on preaching, he would bridge this. He would have the content, and then his application was really um, the, the, the congregation being put into the context of the scripture, and it would come back and forth. And I think he was really a master at, at moving the conversation from at to to. But um, yeah. another thing he was good at was illustrating, and that's kind of our ne our next thing. How do you illustrate to connect? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is something that you know we spend a lot of time. Just like Alan said earlier, we do spend a lot of time on the content, and those illustrations are part of the content because typically those illustrations should be set up to to grab people's attention and also to help them to understand the content that you're trying to get across. It's like, it's like it clicks with them. Oh, so that's what you're talking about. And so uh, I think illustrations are a big part of this, of helping us move the content. So, so Trent, a question for you. Has, has um, technology made illustrations harder or easier? Hmm, that's a really good question. I, you know, it used to be that there were books of illustrations that were sold at all these um, Christian bookstores and, and at seminary and all that. Uh, now you can search up illustrations online and find them. Uh, but sometimes it's, you get so many and you have to read through them all and it's hard. It's almost harder now. Yeah. I think it's harder because they're so familiar too. You know? You yeah. Yeah, people have seen them, they've heard them, you know, people are listening to, you know, a lot of your folks are not only listening to you, they're listening to some other preacher they like every week, and if you heard a good illustration from one, and you looked it up, and you found it, and you, you realize, yeah, I heard that one before, or, or this mm -hmm. or that, so, so yeah, it's, a. Uh, I think there's some unique challenges to, to finding illus illustrations today, you know, but I do think you have to think of robustly, you know, Mm -hmm. And and ask yourself ask yourself in any given conversation if um, this illustration connects to this particular audience because that mm -hmm. that's a huge I mean that's just a huge deal um, is to connect with the audience so how does that illustration work for I'll give you a, a for instance I, you know I lived in Colorado um, for a long time and kind of the a a, a very well known area for its kind of anti hunting sentiment would be the boulder area of colorado you know very anti-gun very anti-hunting you know protect every you know protect every squirrel every animal you know everything and if you went into boulder and you said you know you tried to tell a, an illustration about hunting um it's not going to end well for you they've no, all of a sudden decided they don't like you and they're not going to listen to anything you say but if you were out in Elizabeth, Colorado, where I lived, where, you know, people were waiting for, waiting for their elk tag, you know, it might make sense. So you mm -hmm. have to recognize, you know, again, your context and does the illustration connect based on your context. Right. Yeah. And there's, you know, you mentioned Colorado, which I lived on the Eastern Plains of Colorado and um, they're like, almost two, not just two different states, but two different nations, Eastern Colorado versus Western Colorado. Absolutely. And you're right. You know, so you got to think of that context. But and when you're thinking about illustrations too, 
it, you know, instead of searching up and using some you find from someone else, your own illustrations, the things that, you know, stories that you have and, you know, that you've heard or learned from somebody in your congregation will almost carry more weight than, uh, than if you were to find something online and just plug it in um, because they're more natural and they, they'll catch people's attention. Yeah, I think that's that's good. So, Trent, when you think of illustrations, I mean, what what types of things do you look for? I mean, are you looking for do you, do you like quotes? Do you like stories? Do you like jokes? I mean, what what what's your kind of your go to thing? Well, for me, stories work best, um, and I, I will say because I'm not a great joke teller. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I forget the punchline, and that's really bad. So <laughs> that's a senior adult thing coming up. But um, yeah, I think, you know, as somebody who's, if you're listening to this, you kind of have to think through what kinds of things are you best at? Are you best at telling a story? Are you best at telling a joke? Or do quotes work, as Alan mentioned? And I, I think illustrations really have to flow from the type of your own personality and what, and what you do best. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the story side. I, I prefer a good story. Um, one, you can tie a story in at the beginning and then tie it up at the end. I think it can make a good intro and a good exit point. Um, I think stories are people tend to get drawn into and relate to. So I, I think stories have a great connected, connecting nature to them. Um, I, I think quotes have a, have a spot. I, I like to use some quotes every now and then, um, but you have to be careful how many you use. I know I, I've, I've used sermons where I've just thrown way too many quotes in. Um, you know, so I think you have to be careful with that. Statistics can be helpful, but I think people get nervous about being over-staticized because people don't want to look at themselves as a statistic, but as unique. So I think you have to be careful with, with some of those things. I, I would say even, even to your personal stories are the best stories. Yeah. You know, if you can tell your own story, I think those those are probably oftentimes the most the ones that people can connect to because they know you and it's mm -hmm. your story. Yeah. And um, I know that my kids have told me that they got tired of being in my story sometimes. So you kind of have to be, you know, ask your family if it's OK to use them in your story sometimes, especially your wife, ask your wife, because <laughs> she's, she's going to look at you that, that look like you're sleeping on the couch, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's important, but your own stories, you're absolutely right, are better because they do flow better. Yeah. And I don't think it's bad too, to, if you know someone in your church who has a story that relates, you know, even let them tell their story as part of your sermon. Mm -hmm. I think I think those things can can be helpful, but you know when you illustrate, you know don't don't use the same old tired stuff. I mean, if you've got something fresh, try to be fresh, which means you need to be well read. You need to be looking always on the lookout for for good stories and powerful stories, and and keep those whether you use Evernote or some other type of of thing. Um, mm -hmm. If you find something worthwhile, you know, mark it, use it, save it, and uh, bring it back up when you need it. So those are all kind of on the front end side of things. Um, you know, application, we really haven't talked about, but again, application is, is drawing, drawing the practical 
con context out, out of everything. But let's talk about feedback, Trent. You know, I think what's the most common type of feedback we get in our, from our preaching? Well, you know, the, as, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the old thing of standing by the back doors, people are leaving and people are telling you, oh, that was a great sermon, brother pastor, that was wonderful. Or, or I, you, know, you get the anonymous note that says, oh, I hated that sermon. I didn't get anything out of it. You know, that's your typical feedback <laughs> from, you know, on a typical Sunday. So. It, it it's not real feedback. That was right. a good sermon, Pastor. You yeah. know, we love that. We love to hear. Oh, they liked mm -hmm. it. <laughs> you know, yeah. we wipe the sweat from yeah. our brow. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe they didn't need to like it. I mean, let's mm -hmm. just be honest. You know, there are people in our churches that need to be convicted and challenged and need need to go home and wrestle with a sermon. And I don't think sometimes we, you know, I. I if someone came to me at the end of a sermon and said, Pastor, there's some things I need to think about after that. To me, that's real feedback. You know, yeah, that was a good right. sermon. That's not feedback. That's just someone trying to make me feel good that they appreciate that I put time into preparing that for them. So, mm -hmm. so what is uh, real, real feedback? You know, I just have a note in here that, that the takeaways mean a whole lot more than the praise. You know, well, oh, you, you enjoyed the message. Well, what do you think you're going to take away from that? And if mm -hmm. they can't give you something, you probably didn't connect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even if it, and, you know, sometimes when you ask people a question, it's going to take them a little bit of time to think. And so sometimes you can say, hey, you may not be able to think of it right now, but if this week if you think of a takeaway that you're going to get, but you send me a text and say, hey, this is what I'm going to work on from this. That would be, I think that would be appropriate because sometimes people have a hard time thinking in the heat of the moment what they would get out of it. And it's not that they always, sometimes you're absolutely right. They don't get, they haven't connected with it, but sometimes they have. They just need some time to think it through. They got to chew on it, you know, um, with a good steak, you know, eat the meat, spit out the bones kind of thing. So it's, you give them a little bit of time, um, you know, and ask them their experience and ask them if that connected with them, you know, as you're talking to people um, and you have a little bit of time to, to visit with them, ask them about if that, you know, if that connected with their experience. Yeah, I think the other part is what, what's your experience with it? You know, what was your personal experience at go, going through it? Did you feel like you connected? I mean, I, uh, we, we can acknowledge there's days we feel like we don't connect, but I think there's days you feel like you do connect. Um, you know, what was the difference that day? What made it feel like you, you were connected in a way right. that, that you weren't? Uh, another way to think of that, too, is, you know, before COVID, you and I would talk about how, how little we like to go back and listen to ourselves and watch ourselves. Yes. In COVID, we, we had to get used to that. And mm -hmm. I think for both you and I, we would have to whether we wanted to or not, we'd have to acknowledge it was helpful, you know, and we could probably got more out of it than we really ever thought we would have beforehand. And yeah. the ability to go back and look at ourselves and say, I'm not even connecting with myself or, you know, I think I did a good job connecting that day. And here's why I, th I think that, that, that feedback was, was actually beneficial 
And um, I hate to admit all those people who kept telling me I needed to do that and I was refusing it. They they were right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Alan and I, when we first started doing this podcast and we had listened to our podcast and, and the word absolutely got thrown in there way too much. And so absolutely, that was, man. That was, <laughs> that was our feedback, man. That's so good. So let's, as we draw this kind of to an end, we need to ask ourselves a question too. Not only thinking about connecting um, with our congregation and, and sharing the content, but but what about our relationship to God, Alan? How does this figure into that? Well, I mean, in the end analysis, who who we who are we supposed to please? You know, I heard a I, I heard a pastor one time say, uh, "My job is to please an audience of one." And that's what we are called to do. We, we have one person to please. So the question is, um, when, I, when I'm evaluating a Sunday, was God pleased? Is God pleased with what took place? Was he pleased with my pre- preparation? Was he pleased with the heart and the, 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 the way and the demeanor that I took to the pulpit with me that way? Was he pleased with my attitude? You know, was he pleased with what I did and what I put into that Sunday? That's really the ultimate question, isn't it? It, it, it? I mean, I want to connect with people, but most of all, I want to make sure I'm connected to God. And I think that's a big part of your preparation. Uh, you know, spending time, God came to be with us. He sent his son called Emmanuel to be with us. So you're absolutely right, Alan. It's, you know, our preparation is a big part of that should be prayer and spending time with him. I'm letting him share what he wants us to connect with and, and to share with our people. I love that. I'm glad you ended with that that thought because that is talk about what we're supposed to be doing. And and God, like we started talking about, he is the one who's going to cause his word to touch people's hearts. And so we want to we want to be touched by his word and and connect with him and he'll connect with our people. Oh, that's a great way to put that. You know, we connect with God, he'll he'll connect to our people. That's mm. a that's a great thought to think about, you know, as we kind of move out of today's topic and and we think about that. So, a question for all of you guys who are listening today, just just think about it. Am I connecting? And think about how important that that responsibility is we have um to connect all those seeds together in there. Take your content, take your congregation, and look at the context of each of those and how those things work together. And you'll have a great framework for putting a message together that is impactful. But remember, it really all begins with our heart and our relationship with the Lord. So anyway, we're grateful that you take time to to listen to us each week. And we have a joy doing this, but our heart for you is that you and your church endure. So let us know how we can walk alongside you and help you. You can reach out to us uh, social media or website however you'd you'd like to you can find those locations in our in our show notes um and if we were any help to you today pass it along to someone you know who's in ministry that we can we can help encourage them to endure in these trying days of ministry so thanks we'll catch you next week bye-bye